This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. You know what? I, I, I hope that you're right, but I, I feel like you're very wrong. Like, I just play, there's just like so many cards where this is just just this one one that even if after it gets renowned, I'm not really that concerned about it. So that's why my opinion on it didn't. I think it's like the first time I have a strong, different opinion, so. <laughs> Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManorDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mines they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. And of course, they rag on me for not talking enough. <laughs> nice. Listen to me now, bitch. That's <laughs> Jay Boosh. You know what? This is how it works. I'm not old as fuck, and I don't play ED. And those are the two things that apparently matter when you want to play mind flavor. Scotty. And and I cash that GP. Like that's legit. Like for me, being just the fucking dad grinder, that's a huge deal. And Jeremy. Sometimes you just have to be that guy. We're like, oh, you want to play some modern? It's like, yeah, I want to play some modern. And it's like, I'll suspend a lotus bloom. And they're just like, oh, why did I want to play modern with you? And now, the A-Team. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 239 of the A-Team podcast. 239. Mr. Scotty Mack here, joined by three of my favorite people on the face of this planet. I have with me space builder extraordinaire. Mr. Jeremy Schofield, Jer, how's it going? It's going very well. Awesome. Um, if anyone's good at Kerbal and listens to the podcast, please uh, reach out to me uh, because I cannot get to Moon. Um, yeah. It just, all I do is blow up rockets in, in the atmosphere. Very good at that. I have, uh, of course, the motherfucking King of the North, the Beer Games Master Champion, Jay fucking Bush. How's it going, buddy? Yo. I'm pretty bagged from my drunken vacation. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about it. Uh, and of course, we have the silent testing assassin who is only going to stay as long as we continue to provide valuable discussion. <laughs> KYT, really? how's it going? I might, I might be us? here all, all show then, I mean, obviously. Um, <laughs> who are you pandering to? <laughs> Anyways, uh, and I, of course, am here uh, a little, I mean, a lot less sick than I was uh, last week. My week was hell. Hell yeah, week? Absolute hell. Uh, yeah, by the time, like, Thursday came around, I was on a steady diet of uh, Dayquil and uh, Strepsils. And I basically walked around with a box of Kleenex on a chain around my neck like it was some sort of rap symbol. What rap symbol was it? Uh, it was I DJ Sniffles. DJ Sniffles or DJ like, Sniff Sniffs. You know the Go Blow Your Moms or something. Like it was, it was real bad. Wow, but um, that's but aggressive. I was, I oh, was super, aggressive. super sick. I, I streamed anyway against all of my better judgment. Wednesday and Thursday I streamed. I had uh, Jason come on on Wednesday to help me out. 
sorry, I didn't stream Wednesday. I streamed Thursday and Friday. And Friday afternoon I streamed, and basically uh, I was 100% pulling Barry White. So if you guys want to go back and listen to that, they were, like, requesting, too, that I put on, like, some Barry White and actually sing along. And, and it, was, it was remarkable, actually, when, like, Crash Test Dummies came on. Like, it, was really, it was really ridiculous. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a lot less sick now. I still don't sound perfectly well, but I'm less sick, which is good. So, uh, this weekend, did you guys play any Magic? KYT, I imagine, played a whole shit ton. Yes, I have. <laughs> Jer? Uh, I played some. Oh. I played some draft. Okay. And I played like a purely seal or like a online. I've just been playing like the online PTQ bullshit. Good. Yeah, all the neg value stuff. So. Nice, nice. And Jay, you were playing some awesome drinking games. Yeah. Yeah. No magic. No magic. It's okay. There was magic, but it wasn't magic. I uh, I took my guys deck to the modern MDSS on Saturday, despite all of my you know body telling me not to and just stay in bed. I went anyway. Uh, and by round four, I couldn't do it anymore, and I had to go home. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I beat my round four opponent. I looked at him, and I was like, are you going to stay the whole day? He's like, yep. I'm like, alright. And I scooped him up and dropped the tournament and went home. Because <laughs> I couldn't fucking do it anymore. By that point, I had made, like, three mistakes that I knew I had only made because I was so sick and couldn't think straight. I'm like, this is bullshit. So I went home. So that was my, the extent of my magic this weekend. So I figured we'd get it out of the way. Nice. Yeah. Because uh, it really wasn't a lot to say. I saw a lot of amazing people, and of course, you know, face-to-face games, Toronto put on a hell of a show. There were, like, 150 fucking people at this event or something, just to play Modern, when there were like, three pre-TQs for Modern across all of Ontario, and this MDSS got 150 people. So, it was pretty sweet. And, of course, the guy, the Tron guy that laughed at me in third round and beat me, of course, you, you know, uh, goes on to top eight the event, so at least that's good. Yeah, so... Jerry, you played some on... So, I know, like, the MTGO pre-release for Origins was this weekend. So, yes. there was a lot of people that have been jamming uh, cues and trying to figure out what's going on with the format. At the same yeah. time, we of course had um, Dallas Fort Worth. Yeah, was the GP that uh, was the the limited one, and of course we uh, we got to watch Alexander Hain clinch the GP berth spot. Yes, congrats to Mister Alexander Hain. Yeah, way to ne- go, buddy. Never bet against him. Hey, and uh, I was betting for like the greed. I was going maximum greed, and there's got to be some respect for max greed. So so he's at the point where he's like looking to get all of it and and he he put something out on Twitter basically saying like well hey you know if I you know do so and so well at the pro tour or whatever depending on how well I do I might be able to take player of the year spot too and he's like like out to conquer the world right yeah. and then of course like Efro tweets back at him it was so funny and he's just like yeah not if I top 16 bud but thanks <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> but good luck yeah it was it was sweet so, uh, but yeah, so we got to watch that. There was like a loaded stack top eight uh, for that va- that event, which is like ridiculous. It was eventually won by you know Japanese end boss Shuhei Nakamura, of course. But has he done things in Magic? I, I imagine he's you know legend. Wait for it. Um, and uh, and he ended up playing Derry, played against Ross Merriam in the top eight, 
and uh, other notables in there, of course, Joel Larson, um, David Ochoa, Gregory Orange also was in the top eight. The Citrus Assassin? Citrus Assassin. Uh, Dan Jordan uh, was in the top eight as well, and he was actually on a run where if he had won uh, the event, he would have been queued for Vancouver on points. So he uh, was close with the top eight, but lost in the semis to uh, Shuhei, as I understand it. But I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the uh, a lot of the coverage because I was playing and whatnot. So I'm I'm trying to take a look at these decks, and maybe KYT, you and Jer can help me out. This format is like super fast, right? Yes that, and no. That was my interpretation uh, a couple of weeks ago, as opposed to I think Jay and Jer thought it was more, slower than I did. Uh, that's okay, I, the sealed I thought was a little bit. No, actually, the sealed I even thought was fast. No, I, I, I'm pretty sure that this is just a generically fast format. I actually feel after getting some more information that it is. It has the capability of being slower, though. Like the red white deck is ridiculously fast. You take your foot off the pedal a little bit if you go into black, but you get much better reach towards the end. Um, then you can kind of go into like white based decks where you have white blue where it doesn't block very well but it can race well because it's very evasive and it can play some tempo stuff and then a little bit slower than that is like the white green but the white green can snowball really big because it's got all the renowned stuff uh and then you have like this like black green type deck that's out there as well and it plays like a really really dirtily style game uh but it can do a lot of damage uh, and then you get into like some of the strange green decks where it's like green blue, where it's like all these like early tempo guys and a little bit of renown of its own and some prowess type of stuff. And you can do all kinds of funky stuff. And it's just it's so interesting to see how like everything kind of slows down, but everything can kind of play with each other because the red white deck can have a difficulty beating anything with three, uh, three uh, toughness. So. Yeah, it's neat. I'm going to go back to that. Good. So I think, um, so KYT, you've been testing a lot of this, right? Like Shuhei, Shuhei ended up winning with his green-white deck. He played against um, Ross Merriam in the finals. Ross Merriam was on a bit of a, a green-black elves deck. Ross Merriam, you yeah. know, elf aficionado, no stranger to the tribe himself. But the, it looks like Shuhei basically had some really big bombs. Like he had the Geyser of Engineering, he had the... Hail to the Pantheon as well to try to go along with, you know, copies of things like Suppression Bonds. Yeah. And such, and he had, you know, the Totem Heartbeast, Totem Guide Heartbeast to, to dig it out. And yeah, so it looked like Shuei put together a pretty sweet deck. And of course, you know, Leaf Gilder and two Rock Smallers seems like that's that's kind of where you want to be. In yeah, this Rock Smaller is like you're kind of like, it's, it's the common that is like your reward for playing green. Like he's just, he tends to be the biggest guy on the battlefield. And he comes out fast enough, especially with Leaf Gilder, yeah. that like he can kind of like start making an immediate impact. Um, what I really like with him though is uh, uh, with, his, with his deck was just like the crazy interaction between uh, oh my goodness the Cataclysm card, uh, the arrogance, tragic, tragic arrogance, yeah, and the uh, the enchantment, the the suppression bonds, yeah, suppression bonds, yeah. It's like he had one game where it's like he cast it. And the creature, because you choose which creature he keeps. So he, he kept keeps the, the one with the bonds like, on it. Yeah, he kept the ones with the bonds on it, because why not? Well, Like, why not make your life as miserable as possible? Well. So. The, uh, the other bomb that I've been seeing through shots of, like, online and shots of, um, 
like little snippets of of coverage and stuff. Isn't like Chandra's what the hell is it? Uh, that like five mana spell is a fucking blowout. Chandra's not Chandra's fury. The other ignition. One. That Chandra's ignition. Yeah. Oh my Which one's that? God! It's oh, that's a creature you control deals damage to everything. Yeah, yeah. The 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 red wrath. Like that seems fucking crazy, right? Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It's just been a long time since we've had that sort of effect that's actually... Because, like, the fact that it deals damage to the player also, like, that's that's what's really, really outstanding about it, I think. Because, like, it fits right into the red strategy while, you know, at the same time, like, not... Like, Titan Strength is in this format. Like, I can make a goblin fucking big, wrath your shit, and then still attack you with this swarm. Like, that's that's crazy. That card's yeah. super good. Anyways. Yeah, I haven't actually had a chance to look at the... Uh... At the top eight of uh, the draft, that was more interested in the SUG, of course, uh, being standard. Uh, we're looking at this. Uh, we talked about this. We talked about this last time. <laughs> Don't skimp on your limited prep. So seeing like uh, Shuei probably like Shuei's skimping bulk, on your limited prep. The bulk of his right? deck isn't even that like super impressive, um, but uh, he has one of the. Uh, like he has Tragic Arrogance, which I think is one of the best rares uh, that you could possibly have in your deck because you can just win out of nowhere. You can be losing, you can be way behind, like with almost 0% chance to win. And this is the one card that saves you when you're, when the opponent has like five creatures to your one and you can come back from behind. And uh, it's one of the cards that I've used to, to 3 0 uh, draft with. So. Can we discuss how um, I have this habit of playing colors and <laughs> missing, like, passing uh, the bonkers rare in that thing, thinking that it's not really going to fit my deck? Sure, like uh, what? You know, like, like uh, last of the uh, one? Like, ma- Master no. of the Unseen. Master of the Unseen, yeah. for example. Yeah, Mastery of the Unseen, I, I passed that one. And <laughs> then I did that? a draft. Uh, that but, was the one where it's like you could, uh, you could... Uh, I think me but and Jay thought it was really, me and Jay thought it was really good, and you thought it wasn't as good, right? If, what yeah, yeah. Do? What does it do? It's the white one enchantment that says whenever a creature flips over, you gain a life for each creature you control, and then you can pay four and manifest a guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I skipped oh, yeah. out on that. I one, thought, on, uh, you I thought that card was bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't think it was bad. I just didn't think it was right for my deck. When in reality, it's just right for anyone that has planes in their deck. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Um, at the draft, I was playing a white mid range deck, and I did not first pick Tragic Arrogance. So I'm I'm keeping a trend going. To be yeah, fair, I figure if I took that card, that card would have probably just won me. Everything. To be fair, yeah, I think this has a lot of text. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think it's. I, I don't think it's text. I think it's just the card's really freaking good. There isn't a lot of sweepers. Maybe, maybe for Jer and for maybe other people that are like Jer that don't but don't want to admit it. Maybe KYT, you could explain when you're using this card and why it's good because a lot of people have said that to me too. Is that they look at this card and they just think like, well, this is this is shit. Right. It's. Just- uh, at the very worst, it's like you're. It's like a pseudo removal spell. Like when what you're is, ahead. What does the card do again? Everybody picks. No, like you know you pick. Okay, so you're the you're caster. Yeah, so, it, so it's always good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's yeah. So, yeah. always good. You get to choose. It, you get to choose land enchantment, whatever. An artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker for each player. Okay, and then they sack everything else. Yes. But you get oh, to pick for both no. sides. No, it's not land, though. Sides, yeah. It's not land. Land is not the only land. thing that's unaffected. 
Yeah. Yeah. So wow. like it's it's really powerful because like at worst you're you're super ahead and you don't need to use it, but then if they drop a super bomb, then you can have them keep that other bad guy and then you keep your worst guy. Right. If that How much super does it guy cost? five. Five. So at, at worst it's still it's still just as good as the best black removal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the other aspect to it is that it plays so well with the white removal. And I think that's the part that I just didn't put in my head. Right. Is that like your your two key pieces of white removal in this set are the uh four mana enchantment that pacifism's the guy. Uh, and shuts off their active well, and it could also do it to planeswalkers, it's permanent, so you can also shut down a planeswalker. Or artifacts. Or artifacts, yep. Um and uh, the uh, two mana sacrifice and attacking or blocking creature. Yeah, so even if you leave them with a good creature, if they only had one creature that was a big creature, you get rid of all the other junk that's going to attack the next turn so that your celestial flare is live. So, like, it has this ability to kind of make your white removal even better because if you do get a guy who's pacifismed with it, it's like, yeah, you keep that one and I'll kill all of your at live stuff. Yeah. That, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, so, yeah, you're keeping the train going. I mean, this is a bomb. Um, yeah. So, oh. Yeah, so, I obviously will not, uh, <laughs> obviously will not draft it. Yeah, obviously not. Why pick that? What's the challenge in picking your bomb? <laughs> <laughs> Red seems super deep in this set. Red is really good in this set. I, uh, I, I think it's my favorite color of everything. It has the ability to, like, just do some really obscene things, like, my goodness, that uh, that one mana goblin! Holy geez, that guy can do a ton of work. Oh, that's the one that, like, when he gets renowned, he becomes a two-two or something. Well, well yeah, he he becomes a two-two, and he gets menace, and that's right, the big right. deal. Right. Yeah, and gets menace is huge. Yeah, because because there's you don't like you're anything you're playing on turn one against him normally is is you're just fucking not blocking him anyway, and you don't want to use removal on him. Like it feel it's a feel bad situation. Yeah. But then, like, him just hooking up Menace, and then you just, like, drop another card, and you're just like, fucking shit. And then they drop, like, the Brute with Menace again, so now you're like, ah! <laughs> yeah. Like, what do I need to do? Yeah. Menace is actually, like, I think Menace is a super deep ability. Um, I really like Menace. It's like, it just feels exactly like what Red's mechanic needed, like what Red's evergreen mechanic needed that isn't just, like, fire-breathing. Or first right. I, guess. I actually don't like that guy. I mean, I like the three-two that has menace already, yeah. and, and I, okay. I just don't think this one one's that good. Um, you don't like him? I don't think he's that good. Like, you have to have him early, yeah. and yeah. if you have it later on in a format where some decks are playing these stoppers, like you're never gonna get through with this guy. So I'm uh, this guy's horrible. Like any time past like turns one and two, in my opinion, uh, I, I don't think so because you have to like play. You, you can't play red, like, it, it depends. If you're playing red-white, you get the opportunities. Yeah. And it works out. If you're playing something like red-black or something like that, you have ways to kind of get your value back out of him, and you have ways to kind of sneak him through. Like, when I'm playing the red-white deck, like, I'm doing things that are uh, doing active treason effects. You have, like, the guy, the 3-2 has an active treason built into him. You've got the card active treason. You have ways that where it's like, I'm going to attack you with my big guys, and you can choose to block my 1-1 one, one guy and stop him from becoming Menace while I slap you in the face with a 4-power guy or a 3-power guy. 
Like, yes, if he shows up late, it kind of sucks that he didn't show up on turn one or turn two. Yeah, I mean, but he still presents a threat that gets better than itself and becomes a problem. And they have to deal with your bigger guys because you are so far ahead in the tempo race on them. Like you you're already pushing through a lot of damage that they have to make the hard decision. Yeah. And ideally, yeah, of course, you want your one drops on turn one and two and stuff. But, um, you know, like there's going to be times where you can just create like undesirable board states with guys like this. Like the fact that he's not just a one, one for one. I mean, I mean, he, I think he'd obviously be, be better if he was just like a jackal pup type card. Um, and just was always a two, like a two power one drop, um, instead of having his ability. But I think like menace is not an ability to be like, like, I think underestimated. Um, just the fact that like with, with the removal in the set, like you can manufacture these, turns where they just can't block you well and guys that I, I still think that after you guys draft more you will think this card's bad i still stand with that <laughs> i just i I've, I've done probably a half dozen drafts online and that is my my least favorite thing to see like that is probably the one thing i'm most afraid of when i'm playing a game is him going goblin on one they've also like red's got a bunch of falter effects that are built into it too right like subterranean scout yeah. of common is is a thing and, like, it lines itself up to curve. But, I, I mean, like, KYT, I see where you're coming from. With I, don't give a, like, like, I don't give a shit. I just play Dragonfather and say, okay, like, thanks, basically. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, you I can play a whole bunch of things, good. that's it. <laughs> I just uh, saying it's not good, good is, is, is absolutely fucking bonkers. <laughs> saying it's not good is, like... Saying it's not good is, like, not drafting fucking tragic arrogance, okay? Like, that, that's, that's how... Wrong. That's how wrong it is. I know that wow. Sam Stoddard, when Origins was spoiled, put out a tweet, something to the effect of that nobody to date has done more damage with that card in uh, Magic's history than him. Like, he is, like, super high up. Well, and, like, I mean, he's not... This card obviously isn't as good as, like, Stromkirk Noble. Right. But Stromkirk Noble, like, fine... Like, like has a, is a very similar card in that, like, if you got it on turn one, it was very difficult to beat. But if you drew it late, it was basically a fucking blocker. I think protection like, from humans is probably, that, like, that a was, big... Dif- that's a big difference. It was, there. like, somewhat relevant, but the fact that, like, just the fact that that basically the only time you use protection from humans was to get him through to get the damage, which is effectively the same thing as Menace. Like, the fact that he grew bigger obviously makes him better. I'm not comparing them in terms of, like, these cards aren't similar in terms of power level, but yeah, it's just, yeah. they're similar in terms of roles in your deck, where, like, even having a 1-1 one, one for 1 with protection from humans, it wasn't like that was fucking saving you the game like the times that that actually mattered when you drew him on turn nine were were like are non-existent right but the fact that the fact that like you if you got him on turn one or two it it put your your board state into a position and your opponent into a position where they had to like make shitty decisions um is is more relevant i mean that format also i guess didn't really have dragon fodder and you didn't really want to trade like a midnight haunting for a 2-2 guy um because of the flying but you know, I just I think it's better than KYT is giving it credit. Yeah, I think it's bad, and I could be <laughs> Jeremy Master, uh, like of the Unseen, wrong, but it just like like at least Master Unseen, it's like regardless of when you drew it, it was really good. Yeah, and this is just like it's not Actually, that good. Like, have you been playing the aggressive decks? I have. I've been playing aggressive red white decks, white green, like a lot of aggressive decks, and I don't want this guy. Nice. He just doesn't make the cut. Uh, eh? Like. 
You know what? I, I, I hope that you're right for the Pro Tour, but I, I feel like you're very wrong. Like, I just play, there's just, like, so many cards where this is just horrible against, and it even the Menace is just, it doesn't really matter. At least, like, the 3-2 guy, you can really get some good value, but here you got, like, a lot of token guys. You even got, like, the blue guy of that makes multiple guys. It's just, like... It's not that impressive. It's not that scary. It's not the scariest thing that I'm, I'm scared to see. I'm scared of seeing, like, the white Sentinel that taps yeah, the guy. the white Sentinel like, is terrible. Like, it's, it's frightening as all hell, that guy. Yeah. Right. So it's like, there's the 1-3 in common in red that makes a 1-1. One, one. I mean, how are you, you know, getting a lot of value against the, these types of cards with just this 1-1 one, one that, even if after it gets renowned, I'm not really that concerned about it, so... That's why my opinion on it, and uh, it feels good That's to have, fair. like, I think it's, like, the first time I have a strong, different opinion, so it feels kind of no, good. Like, this is good. This is really good. This is healthy. So. All right. So, so we talked about the value of two drops last week, right? We talked about how the format is basically defined. It's defining itself by the two drops that you are able to put together in your deck. Um, it should come as no surprise that the number one card the number one standout card of GP Dallas Fort Worth was identified as Topin Freeplay. So this is the white one two two with vigilance and renowned one. And so that card is fucking retarded. Right? Like who thought that that card like how did that card make it? How like, is that how is that a white common and the red common is like three two menace? Yeah. Earth? Yeah. So, so what's interesting here is what they're suggesting is, is unlike Zendikar, this format is defined by blocking. Hmm. So, anyways, it's 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 interesting. It is very there. There are some very aggressive decks that can be built, and some of the creatures are slanted that way for sure. Um, but I think if you are going into it without looking to be able to put guys in front of your opponent, I think you're you're probably in a lot of trouble. So a lot, lot of good Sorry, tricks. You're saying you're saying blocking is bad or No, I'm saying blocking is good. In oh, Zendik okay. in Zendikar blocking was a non a In a non- lot of formats blocking is bad. Yeah. But but in this one it's it's like even though it's aggressive, you need to try to block. Like often and early, I think. I think in this format, you need to be making percentage points on your blocks. You don't need to just be blocking. Sure. Like, your blocks have to be good blocks. Um, because if you get behind in this format, it's like, uh, it's kind of like Hearthstone, where you just, you're all, if you're always reacting to what the guy's doing, uh, and, you're, and you just have, like, unlucky draws where you can't get back ahead, if you're not making percentage points on your blocks, then, like, you're, then you're just, you're throwing guys away, right? Jay? Jay, I'm pulling one out of I'm pulling one out of the out of the past for you for this. I think that was very astute of you. Who said that? Like Matthias Hunt? It was yeah. either Matthias Hunt or it Pretty was sure. it was um uh Matt Marr. It was Matt Marr oh, or Matthias Matt Marr. Hunt. Matt Marr. So fucking Matt Marr. Anyways, okay. I'm just saying that was he's still in Thailand. He, that was very astute. I, I have to give you all the credit in the world for that. That was, that was good. So okay. I, I think that lends into why red is very good in this set, I find. Because if that's the case, like red is the set that punishes you the most for wanting to block. 
I agree. The active trees and for m- making mistakes. And they got a lot of tricks too. Like, there's a lot of good white tricks, Although, but like, I think the red white deck could be very. I don't tricksy. agree with, with Jeremy that red is better because of that. And it's it's or that is the best because of that. It's certainly good, but I think it's green. Green with things like Mighty Mass <laughs> and Titan Strength and that stupid fight card and like fucking Yiva's Force Mage and just all this shit where they just like <laughs> and like this this trample renowned rocks fucking bad. Well, I think that I think they're trying to do it different ways so though, Jay. Herbal, like you just you just eat it. Eat it! I, eat it. I just think they're trying to do it different ways. Like green is trying to make their shit bigger than you and then bully you around, whereas red I think is trying to be uh, you know giant. more, more yeah. agile or whatever and be like, yeah, you thought you could block, nope, falter you, get in it. Yeah, so. But God for God forbid it be a red green deck. White like white red green and and black. Are pretty good. I think blue is the one that lacks the most depth in terms of its commons. Um, I, I've looked at it uh, at each color like that, and and blue just doesn't have uh, cards that common that really pull you toward that color. Uh, really, it, it comes down just to the mana wars, right? And 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 other than that, it's like the uncommon, basically whirler rogue and the starfish that surprises every turn. It's a zero three. That again, it's not only is it. A, Amazing ability, but now it's a zero three that blocks free blades all day if you needed to. And outside of that, blue isn't going to draw you into that, uh, into its color if you don't, if your pack isn't that exciting. So, but the other cards are, are other colors have really good commons, and white outside of the free blade gets one of the best three drops in the entire format, which is the one three flyer that becomes a two four flyer if you connect, and it's going to connect a lot of time because it has evasions. And a two four flyer is is really big, um, so I love white, I love red, and I've, I love green a lot. I've drafted a lot of those colors, and yeah, um, yeah being aggressive is important. Do you? Uh, oh, where was I going with this? my brain? Was... <laughs> have you uh, drafted the uh, mill deck? I have not drafted the mill is there? deck. Yeah, um, like an actual viable one. Uh. So Alex decided to draft it in one of our yeah. practice drafts, uh, yeah. Hayne, and he he went o three. So uh, I, uh, I I I three o to draft with it. Okay, so yeah. I stopped caring just because he went o three, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> now did he, you like, have to have to everything to make it work, though. Did he try to force it before it was available, or did he see it and then take it? I think he was just trying it out, and yeah. uh, you know, I was tempted by it when I had a pool that could potentially get two Sphinx's tutelages. Right. But then the rest of my deck seemed aggressive enough to just win without without the mill plan, so I just stuck with it. So I've never actually tried it, nor have I played against it. So Jeremy would have a better opinion on whether it's yeah. good or not. So essentially my because I, I wanted to see like I like to try and find like the the spider spawning deck. Like, I wanted to see if it was somewhat playable. So where I started with the whole process was I just sat there and said, okay, let's, uh, let's take a look at what we got here. Um, if I draw one of the, uh, the three-man enchantment or whatever, whatever the thing's called, Sphinx's... Uh, tutelage. Tutelage. If I draw it in... If it's in the first three packs, I will drop what I'm doing and I will play the blue mill deck. And I was talking to my buddy Nick Danilition because he had actually drafted it before me and had some success with it. So I was trying to figure out, like, okay, so what's the game plan? When I get this card, what am I doing? 
And he sat there and he laid it out for me and he said, okay, it's, it's really as simple as um, you focus on getting the undoing, you get a sh- just a crap ton of card draw, uh, get all the card draw you can get, um, and then uh, you're going to play a little bit of counter, you're going to be playing things like Maritime Guard, you're going to be playing the 2-3 Flyer, uh, you're going to play anything that kind of blocks up to it. If you want to pair, you want to either pair with white or with black. Uh, black has some ways to kind of get it back from the graveyard and has some good removal. Uh, that can get you some life. Uh, White, on the other hand, has, like, the 0-4 guy that you're going to be able to draft a lot of. Uh, You want to focus on, like, the 3-mana 0-6 artifact guy. You just want to wall up, and you're not going to attack the entire game, and you're going to focus on mana-warring their guys, you're going to tap down their guys, you're going to draw a lot of cards, which is going to make, like, the tap-down card work out really well for you. Uh, You're going to have some of these artifact guys, like the 4-mana 3-3 that gets you 3 life if it dies. Like, kind of these guys that you're just going to race them. And it ends up being a race because every time you mill the guy out, you're dead the next turn. Like, that's how it always felt. Is that, like, I either die the turn before I mill him out or the turn, uh, I would die the turn after I mill him out. And you just keep slowing them down. And if you can hit the undoing, then that's great. But you also play, like, a few Dreadwaters and you just hold on to them as long as you absolutely can. Uh, you play a little bit of counter magic. So, like, the uh, counter creature spell, draw a card. That's really good. Uh, you play your disperses. You just kind of do that kind of game plan. And it, it's worked out really well for me. Like the hyper-aggressive decks, those ones are difficult to deal with. Uh, but Maritime Guard actually plays really strong into them. You have that minus two um, spell, uh, minus two, minus zero, draw a card spell. That can be really helpful. Um, you, you, got a lot, you got a lot of neat tools. So it's, it's pretty decent. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a matter of just playing, like, the really awkward control deck, the don't let them get through for any damage, uh, try and be cycling, go through your deck really quickly. Like, blue has a lot of tools that draw through the deck really quick, so just take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not, so KYT, I wouldn't take that advice for the Pro Tour. <laughs> no, it, yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. But, uh, now, if you open it up and like you see a couple of them going around, like at some point you can be like, you know, I could really build like a crazy deck. Like if you get two Sphinx's tutelage, all right. Like which you... I've been no, but I've been I've been every time that I force it, I get two. Okay, and I forced it twice, so I haven't played a ton of it. I, if, I have. If a you're very also able to set. couple that with like twelve fairy miscreants, you're probably doing fun. All right, <laughs> standard. <laughs> Oh, before before starting, um, no, the, the one archetype that I had success with uh, so far, just a, a classic archetype, which is the Nantuko Husk, Act of Treason deck. I think that's one. Oh of yeah, more standout, more standard, an archetype that our listeners can just jump into. Just draft husks, draft Act of Treasons, uh, Dragon uh, Father's, Fiery Falls, right? Fiery Falls, Dragon Father's typically not that strong when it comes to attack because there's a lot of bears in this format, but in this archetype, it's at its best. And then there's just that new guy, the 4-3 cat or panther or whatever, that allows you to sack a dude and ping not just the player but or, or a creature so you can start getting rid of their biggest threats too with that card and dealing damage to them if you need to. To finish them off, sometimes you're just going to attack, bring them low enough with these tokens, and then that guy, like, they can't even stop it. They have to kill it. Or, like, you just untap, sack all your guys, kill them. So... That archetype is really good. It's going to be one that I'm going to look out for because not every deck wants active treasons, whereas this one actively does. And sometimes other decks want other type of black three drops outside of husks. So you can sometimes get those cards. And of course, you're going to get past the four three black red guy 
more often than not just because uh, it's harder for other people in your pod to be black red. So and definitely the the archetype to look out for. Is that four three an uncommon or a common? Uh, it's an uncommon. Yeah. So uh, out of the cycle, there's a cycle. He's one of the better ones. There's the red blue one that's super conditional. It's when he comes into play. It deals damage equal to number of artifacts you control to yeah. a creature, and like you really got to build around him. Whereas the other guys come with least, like less conditions, and are a lot better. Yeah. Well, that's the that's the cycle with the elf, right? Right. The the elf. Yeah. Yeah. The elf's insane. Yeah. And then there's like the two three uh, renown, and then there's like the three two black white guy. Like if you control enchantment, it gets plus one plus one and lifelink. So like the other guys are just a lot less conditional. Um, and they're just good even without the condition. And and this guy's like a two three. The blue red guy is just like a two three haste, which is okay. But you need to have enough artifacts. And every time I've drafted him or have it in my pool. I count my artifacts, and I'm like, I just doesn't, it's not going to ever do, like, more than one consistently, so kind of awful, but uh, if you can build around it, I've seen decks that have a shit ton of playable artifacts, then, then by all means, go for it. Hmm. Alright. What about this fucking bonded construct? <laughs> oh, this is the, uh, the one mana two one? Yeah. I didn't realize that it can block alone. Yes, it can. I like that card. Yeah, so it gives you a one-mana answer to, to a free blade, and it's, it's fine as an attacker, and uh, it goes along with, like, I've had it in decks with, like, Ram Roller or whatever, so, you know, yeah. it works. It's like, so, like, is this bad. a card that you would actually play? Yeah, I've played it. I've main-decked it. Yeah, I mean Many times, it. or what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you like the, so you like Bonded Construct over this 1-1 one, one Menace guy in red? I mean, <laughs> I if it's the fact that it's an artifact that could give it like future dra- like future cards, like well, it makes mom and dad cards. better. So it's better with mom and dad than the god. Yeah, yeah, and it's better with ram roller. It's better than with the plus one plus one two three. Uh, the guy, the three mana guy that gives plus one plus one to all your artifacts. So like it, yeah, it really depends to me. I mean, I, Answer I'm assuming, no. I'm assuming Jeremy was picking the other guy for sure. So, yeah. but me, I'm, I'm, I, I, I like both of them. I, I do like both of them. I would still take the red one just because I feel like he's way more dominant off the get go. But the two one, I would not be happy to. I would not be unhappy to take. All right, on to standard, Scott. <laughs> So uh, we saw some standard last week. Uh, saw some, we talked about you know the the Abzan Rally deck that seemed to be a neat deck. We talked about uh, heroic kind of stepping up to prey on all of the dirtily green decks. Uh, we saw this week, Band Heroic was out in force. All of the Roanoke crew decided to jam Band Heroic. Todd Anderson and Chris Van Meter both ended up uh, top eighting with basically the same deck. Um, we saw a generic, fairly generic Abzan control deck. Uh, did have one copy of Dragonlord Dramoka in it, actually, which was interesting, and shaved on some Den Protectors, but otherwise, basically the same sort of thing. Had uh, some more creatures and Planeswalkers out of the sideboard and Eclectic Mix. But the decks that really like stood out to me, I think, as being prominently on display was a 
tuned up Abzan Rally deck by Ray Tautic, which the thing looks absolutely insane. We're going to get it yeah. in a minute. But I think the other two decks that really started to to climb up, uh, Saltek and Troll made a pretty good appearance. There were a few different copies of that. But also one of the others that stood out was Jim Davis uh, playing blue-black control, which is very similar to uh, the blue-white control deck that we saw from Jeff Hoogland. But instead, Jim Davis went with uh, black cards like, you know, Hero's Downfall and Languish. And Ashiok. So, could be interesting. Uh, better removal, obviously. Um, but, you know, Jim obviously did fairly well. Four hangerback walkers is pretty much the uh, the standard as it goes. But, um, you know, Robert Bond took fifth with the Saltai control deck. Shaheen Sarani's been, you know, touting Saltai as, as uh, the next coming of Jesus for control players. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that comes out when his uh, his next article comes out. Ash Durbeck came in sixth with Mono Red Aggro, with two copies of Chandra Fire of Kaladesh, which is really interesting. And watching this on coverage, Ash did a really good job of, uh, of demonstrating how much play there actually is to the Mono Red match. And every t- whenever Chandra flipped, Chandra looked devastating. I thought that was really interesting. But, uh... What did Namson Wook play? Was not there at this tournament. Really? No. Uh, no. Just a, a puny star city. <laughs> but um, unfortunate. Yeah, he was at he was at Dallas, I think, wasn't he? <sighs> uh, I think he might have been actually. But the first place deck, which I just dropped in the chat, so Jay, if you missed it, is uh, is this yeah, Abzan is this Abzan Rally deck, which um, is really just paring down the engine. Uh, we talked about the Abzan Rally decks. With uh, with Mogus's Marauders being, you know, when we talked about the old rally decks and the aggressive ones, and this is a really good take on that. I mean, this one's playing four copies of Liliana Hieratical Healer, uh, which is the new Planeswalker, along with like four Raptors, three Dem Protectors, four Mystics, but five copies of the fucking Fleshbag Marauder guy. So yeah, there's, and there's that three was Merciless so Executioners good. and two Fleshbag Marauders, which means. Get wrecked heroic for one, and for yeah. two, I can trigger Liliana whenever the fuck I want. <laughs> yeah, man, like that the the collected because uh, it has collected company, and like it is a yeah. ridiculous collected company deck. There's one point where he's playing against heroic. Heroic's got one guy that's buffed up and one guy who's just there to protect from sacrifice effects, kind of like the old Boggle days where you have like one guy who's wearing all the pants, and then you have the random I'm the guy to eat the Liliana hit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. He fires off a collected company. He hits Fleshbag Marauder Liliana. So both of them come into play. Fleshbag Marauder sacks and he sacks. And they sack. Liliana triggers, so she flips over. She gets her 2-2 zombie. Then he continues to minus three, bring back Fleshbag Marauder, kill off the other guy who's got heroic. So he ends up with a 2-2, and he's killed off both the other guys. No, his Planeswalker's gone because it's minus three. Oh, it's minus three, yeah. Yeah, but he still has his 2-2. And he's killed off the two guys that he shouldn't be able to kill off. And they're in his graveyard, which means he gets to use them again, which is a big deal. Because that deck has a way of, like, when it does uh, the Rally of the Ancients and stuff like that, if you can't get the stuff into your graveyard, you lose it. Yeah. So this, Liliana just fits into that deck so well. And it makes Collected Company, like, so scary. Because it could be, like, it could be four mana get a 2-2 Barter and Bludger opponent. Okay. 
a four mana dead drop that I get a two two from. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and then I'll just den protector it back and bring my raptor back while I'm at it. Like, so gross. So gross. Uh, twenty lands in this deck. Only twenty lands. Only need twenty lands. It's just interesting. Three copies of Mana Confluence, traditionally, you know, sort of touted as the lazy man's mana base, but uh, looks just looks very interesting. Still, still running four fetch lands on a twenty land mana base. This is not legacy, but I mean, when your curve stops at four, what can you do? You can die to variants. You could. <laughs> Apparently, Ray did not since he took down the tournament. I like a lot of the cards that he's found in his sideboard, and I and I like how you know he can use those to turn the matchup uh, into his favor if he needs it. Three Arish and cleric, you know, obviously, you know, Dramokas command, hero's downfall, and offenses, drown and sorrows. Uh, drown doesn't really do too much against this deck, I think, for the most part, right? Because all their guys just come back anyway, and the ones that want to keep on the board are all bigger than that anyway. Yeah, like if it's in the graveyard, it's kind of better. Yeah. But, so. uh, but yeah, there was a lot of people, this deck was certainly the talk. Uh, Cedric likened it very much to, uh, just like a value deck. Like this is, this is very much like Birthing Pod and Modern before it was banned. Like that, that's what he was likening this deck to. So. Yeah, he said it's, it's very much like the collected company decks where, you know, you might not have it, but that might not matter. Yeah. Like he was, he was just attacking face with the deck. Like it's 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 got the capability to just attack face. So, very very interesting. This is certainly one to keep an eye on uh, going into the pro tour, especially so close to the weekend. Um, yeah, very exciting. The uh, eighth place deck, which which bears mentioning that we hadn't really seen yet before, and we were kind of waiting for somebody to unveil. Uh, John Taylor had an Abzan Constellation deck, and so this is something that when I when I look at the deck, it seems fine but then i look at the sideboard and it makes a little bit more sense but let's 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 talk about this four held of the pantheon which is the two two uh for green one enchantment spells you cast cost one less to cast whenever you cast an enchantment spell game of right yeah four carry added four courser four doom wake four eidolon of blossoms four nix weaver which is the like the two the, three spider the two three spider that flips over two cards every every turn and then one copy of Farika. It's got four copies of Vanishing Light for removal. It's got two copies of Sigil of the Empty Throne, which is the 4-4 enchantment 5-drop. Four Crufix's Insight, which is a card that we've basically never ever seen in Constructed. Yeah, what does that card even do? (laughs) Uh, It's a sorcery for green 3. Reveal the top (laughs) 6 cards of your library. Put up to 3 enchantment cards from among them into your hand and the rest of them into your graveyard. Also has two copies of Starfield of Nyx. So that's the one where you get to basically during the beginning of your upkeep return an enchantment card to be graveyard in battle. Yeah, and then if you have enough enchantments, they all become merchant machined or opalescenced. Yeah. So this deck, although seems a little bit more potentially a little bit more grindy, seems like it it's got like a really powerful and consistent end. That's how it feels. Um when you look at the sideboard. It goes from, it's got two copies of Extinguish All Hope, which is destroy all non-enchantment creatures for six mana, which is interesting, I guess. Two Glare of Heresy, which is pretty generic. But then you look at it and you're like, three Arbor Colossus, three Heroes Downfall, two Johnny Mentor of Heroes, two Elspeth Sons Champion, and one Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Very clearly, 
John Taylor was ready for Back to the Future. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I think this is this is another one that that seems really interesting. And this deck seems terrible against Languish. Well, I mean, do make Giants super big, right? Yeah, and it's getting like it's replacing itself, like with the 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 idol on there. You're you're getting your cards back for it. Uh, if you've got the uh, the Starfield, you're getting your cards back. So it kind of has a way to fix the problems. It can almost value itself out with your coursers. You're getting the extra lands. Like it, it has ways to kind of just keep getting all these extra cards. You get three for ones off your draw spell. Uh, you, you have a lot of little tricks with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is, it's funny because this was the deck that I thought that Namsum Wook was going to play. Like, this is, he played kind of this deck without that card. During at, Pro uh, Tour Born of the Gods, right? Yeah, or it's exactly. a Pro Tour Journey. Pro Tour Journey. Uh, Journey, yeah, a Journey. He, he played essentially this deck. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I kind of was thinking that it might be something like this coming. Yeah. But I, I think it's, I, it looks pretty tight. I haven't tested it yet, but I think it definitely merits testing, at the very least. At least testing against. Um, a lot of the other decks were fairly standard. Green Red Devotion really started to to fall off. Um, there's some Jeskai Aggro decks, which are all kind of also splashing their way in in the mix. And um, yeah, it looks like we're we're definitely establishing a metagame here. So, uh, Bant Heroic seems like it's in. It if Abzan Rally is really popular, the Bant Heroics can be terrible. But I think that if everyone's on sort of the Abzan and uh, green red train, then you know banter works where you want to be. So I don't know. I I think, and then there's all of the the other decks. Like, is somebody going to come up with like uh, a Thopter deck? Is there going to be a good Elves deck? Like, I just are people holding stuff for the Pro Tour? I don't know. A uh, very good chance you wouldn't see any Pro Tour stuff. What do you like? What stood out to you, KYT, out of all of this? How did this validate or invalidate any of your testing that you've done to date? Um, I think uh, the rally deck's the one that I'm testing right after this talk. Uh, it's the fir- it's the most exciting one, just because it looks like it's the one that best. A lot of people have tried to jam Liliana and all these like sacrifice dudes in mono black, but um, like Jared said, this is possibly the best Liliana deck uh, with the well, best. I think it's synergy. also the best collected company deck. Right. So this has. That potential is is uh, speaking out to me. Except a lot of people have said that it's probably awful against a really aggressive type of mono red deck, uh, maybe burn based. I don't know what type of uh, deck, and that it's really weak against control deck, as uh, Jeff Hoogland was able to show last weekend in Chicago. So we maybe the Pro Tour players are hiding their. You know, we're not seeing a lot of blue-white or blue-black, you know, top eight these events. And uh, maybe, you know, Andrew Cunio and, and company are just, like, keeping it on the down low uh, that it, there's a good control deck, and that would certainly shut down this rally deck. Uh, it's definitely a matchup that I'd have to test. Uh, but otherwise, it just eats the Absan deck, and I think it just crushes the red-green devotion deck because it's too slow. And like I said, the the... Potential of having the best Liliana collected company deck uh, really speaks speaks out to me. So that's the one I want to try the most out of everything that we've seen. Um, I don't know how good it is versus like even the combo version, like the all in with the Jace. Like Jace felt really good when I was playtesting against the Rally deck. So to have this deck being more 
have a more value plan. Uh, plan B is interesting. I don't know if it's if it's better or worse. But uh, the other one didn't have only played one Liliana. So yeah. Side note: Jace is sold out of Star City Games at forty dollars. They, wow. they were being bought at like twenty eight or something by the end of uh, by the end of the GP. Forty dollars non foil. Correct. Liliana yeah, is now th- and sold out at forty. Liliana is sold out at thirty. Ugh. And rallies are now are still are out of stock at four bucks. But apparently, people are like, you know, that was a bulk rare, and God, it's gonna be interesting to see how high that thing goes. The the card I'm most excited for, um, because of like everything that happened at that tournament, I think is Hallowed Moonlight. Me too. I think that that card, I, I'm having a tough time just thinking, like, where it's stone dead against. Like, what is that card here? So, uh, go ahead. Yeah, it's the one white, one colorless instant that until end of turn, if a creature would enter the battlefield, then it wasn't cast. Oh, yeah. It instead. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know what deck that that is not good against. And it also draws a card, like, it cycles itself. Yeah. But there's so many spots, like, where if you're playing white, where you can just, like, get, like, all kinds of stupid little edges. Like, how many times have you seen somebody kind of put the shields down to cast a, an Elspeth and make their three tokens, expecting those three tokens to protect the Elspeth? Where it's like, you could Hollow Moonlight, and those three tokens don't come into play, and then you can beat up on the Elspeth. And that, that's, like, the worst-case scenario. Whereas, like, best-case scenario is they cast Rally, and you go Hollow Moonlight, and... All their shit's exiled. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I think that's def- that's a card that we should be seeing more of, and I I think that we will see a bunch of it at the Pro Tour for that reason. Yeah, like I just I think that that's a a very valuable card to have because you can play it and it's not dead. It's not just a dead sideboard card. Like you could potentially play like one or two copies main deck. Yeah, but we said that about the other fucking white, the white Doom Blade, and nobody played that either. Just us. What white Doom Blade? Um, Valor Stance? Oh, yeah, Valor Stance. That oh, that's still... Stuff. No, that's still... Played. Yeah. Valor yeah. Stance display. Yeah, yeah. It was... Yeah. Yeah, it was played a lot in Absent Agra for a long time, and then it's still being played in Jeskai. Because, like, Jeskai has to hedge between, like, having a Wild Slash and a Valor Stance-style effect, right? So they can still have Valor Stance and still keep their guys alive in combat or whatever, or trade profitably. Like, it works really well when you're playing Goblin Rabble Master. Because you can just like swing in and they'll block and you just keep your rabble master alive and then do it again. So yeah, it's it's easy to play. It was not four of main deck by any stretch, but I mean at some point we were saying two or three of them in the main deck. Yeah. So speaking of Jeskai though, KYT, have you have you tested any of these Jeskai aggro decks? Uh, not the aggro version. We've been uh, consistently trying to uh, tune our tokens list because we think it has a lot more potential, but I think we've pushed it to its limit almost. Um, I think it's just, like, Tokens is certainly a strong contender. It didn't, it didn't represent that well at this SCG, and being near the bottom, I think, of the Day 2 metagame article that they had, uh, but uh, excited. Just Guy Agro is definitely uh, another deck that uh, I have to play around. I'm not probably not going to play it, but uh, it's definitely interesting. It showed up in some pretty good numbers. Uh, you know, within the top 32 of this event. I mean, you're looking at Harlan Fear at 12th, Robert Stanley at 15th, 
Uh, you're looking at Ryan Sewell at 22nd and Dylan Donner, uh, Dylan Donegan at, uh, at 30. Um, you know, a bunch of different builds. Some of them, some of them good. Some of them, not all of them revolving around Jace, of course. And, uh, some of them even using copies of Harbinger of the Tides from Origins, which I think is, you know, a super ridiculous blowout card with Ojitai's command, since you can bring back the Harbinger with Ojitai's command. So I think that they're, you know, if Ojitai's command, like, if, if, if there's a deck where you can abuse cards like Jace, like, I don't know, Robert Stanley's deck I'm looking at, I'm looking at, so uh, two drops that he can return with Ojitai's commander, Harbinger, the Tides, Soulfire, Grandmaster, Stratus Dancer, and Jace. Those are all pretty good targets. And a Ration Cleric as well, if you need to against Mono Red, like, get wrecked. Yeah, I agree with that. But I mean, I don't know, Ojitai's command seems like, when it came out, we were like, well, these are neat, but, uh, you know, but I don't know, man, like, Counterspell, bring back a guy is a pretty good swing of tempo. You know, even if it's just for value, end of turn, draw a card, rebirth a guy. Seems like it could be fine. And all the good spells are in the Jeskai colors, you know, like, there's a lot of good ones in those colors, too, so. They stand out to me as interesting. Fucking Chromantiflayer also placed in the top 32 of that event, though, so I don't really know what's actually happening anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and the green red ramp ramp deck wasn't even green red devotion. It was some fucked up. He was yeah, playing was three like... copies of Atarka World Render. Yeah, not the other Atarka, this one. Um, he played <laughs> one of the Dragon Lord Atarka, so it's like, what the fuck's going on? And has this Maybe you just didn't have the cards. <laughs> at this crazy, like, dream scenario where he can, like, does he kill the guy? Like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just one-shots them with a Tarka World Render and, and Xenagos, God of Rebels, basically. Yeah, that's basically... And it does place four CD unwritten, so you can flop into it. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, he had to have done well to get there. I mean, I'm playing... I, I talked about last episode where I prefer the CD unwritten version of um, of regular Devotion, just because I don't think Genesis Hydra is that relevant unless you're, you're ramping up to an insane amount of mana. Um, so, but here you're actually, and but here my CD and Ridden is way less powerful than this guy's. Yeah, potentially. So. I feel like well, so he's using two copies of Isoa Dragon Claw, which I think so. It's interesting because there's been a lot of people that have been discussing the merits of Boon Seder, okay? And Isoa Dragon Claw has never seen her time in the sun as a constructed playable magic card, and I think that the effect that Isoa Dragon Claw has is very powerful, right? It's limited by her power, and she's limited by the fact that she's a 4-2, which means in combat, if you're not doing something to control combat, she's probably not doing very much. Which is why, compared to Bootsader, she hasn't been played. In a deck like this, where a 4-2 trample is going to help you enable uh, your Ferocious for CD Unwritten, I think is pretty valuable. But I think when you combine her with Xenagos God of Revels, and you have the capacity to, like, double her power and steal a Dragonlord Atarka and smack your opponent in the face with it, I think that's pretty gross. I'm just saying. Anyways. Yeah. I, this deck does look pretty gross. Um, but I'm, I just don't feel like trying it. It just feels like it's probably not that consistent, but I could be surprised. Yeah. I don't know. If you're already into, you know, if, if that's where you're already thinking you want to be, I mean, it may be worth worth looking at. I'm not sure that I'm a big, you know, fan of the Atarka world renders, but, you know, I mean, like, even a 2-2 split of Atarka seems more intelligent. 
<laughs> what do I know? Fucking nothing. Fucking nothing. It's because you have to play these cards that, like, I want to ramp to Atarka, but then, like, I want to combo kill them with, like, Xenagos God of Rebels, but if I don't have other... That's why I guess he's playing Thunderbreak Regents, right? To have, like, other creatures in the middle that yeah. can take advantage of that. Yeah. And then, so so you're trying to attack, like, different angles, so it's kind of awkward, I think. Most of his deck is designed to be a flyer. Like, that's the other thing, too, right? Like, there are a lot of dragons that are just looking to go over the top. I mean, he's got the Surox and, and the Yasobas on the ground, but, like, you know, four Regents, three Atarkas, one Dragonlord Atarka, like, that, that's a lot of Air Force right there. And I really like Regent. I mean, I think that it's pretty well positioned uh, as a as a card, like with the right cast of costs and stuff. But the challenge is, I think that in order for it to be consistently a threat, well, you know, where you want it to be, you have to play all of these other cards, which aren't necessarily effective at all stages of the game, like Elvish Mystic, or worse. Right. Right. Bum, bum, bum. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, to see what the pro tour brings. It is this weekend. Um, do we want to uh, run a pro tour draft real quick here? Oh my goodness, we should be doing that. Holy and then, jeez! And then we can let Kyt go if he needs to go, and then we Sounds can hear good. all about Jay's amazing beer games because I'm actually really excited about it. I mean, like trying to put off all of the business so we can get to the fun at the end. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this shit's important. All right, KYT, let's get this out of the way. Okay, I'm gonna. Nobody's picking. I'm real. Ki- <laughs> wow. Um, you're not allowed to pick yourself. Whoa, whoa! No one's gonna pick me then. Okay, I'm just randomized order. I, I've just rolled some dice, so we're gonna go with that. If that's okay with you guys. Yep. So I get first. Sarah gets second. Scott gets third, and Jay gets the wheel. So I got second? Somebody put a list in the fucking chat of who I can pick. Everybody. Okay, I'm gonna... Nope, let's... not good enough. Uh, how many people do we want? Like, four? Yeah. Okay, you wanna go each? four? Oh, God. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna first pick Slam Efro. Boom. Jeez. Is somebody writing this down? Nope. I got it. Alright. Oh, my goodness. Um... Oh, jeez, I don't know where to go with this. Uh... Ephraim's such a good pick. <laughs> he's the number one player in the world. I know. A good like, pick. <laughs> that's like, that's so unfair. There's got to be a ranking somewhere, right? I'm trying Magic. to find him. Magic Pro. Yeah, I got sure. him here. Rankings? Yeah, here I got it. Let me let me give you the top twenty-five. Yeah, Reed Duke is number one. No, that that's probably really fucking old. Yeah, here you go. (laughs) Well, fuck. Why would this information be the first link on? There you go. That's yeah. That's fucking bullshit. Google top ten new pop songs. Oh, it's fucking "I Got You, Babe" by Cher and Sonny Bono. Fucking garbage. Sam Black is number two? What the fuck? <laughs> That's unbelievable to me. That is unbelievable. Sean McLaren is nine? Wow. I'm going to go with Turtonwald. Fuck you, bitch. God damn it. Every time, Jeremy. 
You son of a bitch. I'm going to have to pick somebody like fucking Andridge Strachke. <laughs> so who's who's got the wheel? Jay. I do. Oh, so I'm next. Yes. Oh. All right. Well, in that case. What's the format? I'm snap taking Paul Rietzel. Yeah. Yeah, Rietzel was uh, he's he's always he's always one of my great picks. Yeah, never. Yeah, and there's good there's good small white cards right now. Yep. yep. What's the format? A uh, standard. You get two. Well, everybody good is taken. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, I guess I'll take Reed Duke. Good for you. And then you get the wheel. Who's Jelger Wiegerschmal? Uh, he is one of the Pantheon. Ooh, He's in the Hall of Fame. In the Pantheon? Yeah. Who else is in the Pantheon? Yeah. Uh, William Jensen and Owen Turtenwald. Yeah, he's already taken. Thanks, Jeremy. Well, you could take Jensen. Fucker. Nobody wants to take Huey. All right. Uh, ugh, but is he better than Brad Nelson? Like, uh, I mean, it is standard. <laughs> it is standard, <laughs> but there is a lot of limited, so I don't know. Ugh, or Shahar? Man. Like, Reed Duke and William Jensen are 15 and 16. I feel like that is low. All right. Jensen has been spending his time losing a metric fuck ton of weight. That man is basically a beanpole yeah, now. So he's not in magic shape. <laughs> oh, he's in perfect magic shape. He's, he's mentally sharp. Yeah. Anyways, uh, take it wherever you want. Jacob Wilson's Canadian. Sean McLaren. You can take Sean McLaren. Yeah, how does Sean do in events like this? Not well. All right. Right? Hmm. I don't know. He's going to be one of the better drafters. If he makes it to the top eight. Well, there's there's two rounds. There's, there's, the top there's two rounds of draft. It's there's it's standard top eight. There's two rounds of draft uh, throughout the course yeah. of the... Yeah, they, they draft first, and then they play standard. And God then the next it. day they draft, and then they play standard. Well, that's not what I... And then they play standard in the top eight. I feel like the Pantheon is the good pick. Like those guys are unstoppable. Uh, well, there's this guy named uh, uh, John Finkel. He's done good things in the past. Oh God, Jay, John you know who's who's qualified? Michael J. Flores. Yeah, Flores. Wow, is, is you've got to take him. Wow. He's testing with Chapin on that take, crazy. If I team. take Flores, I think I get a bonus pick. So I don't. <laughs> so I don't know if this is current. But the last members of the Pantheon were Kai Bude, Patrick Chapin, Reed Duke, Andrew Cuneo, John Finkel, Yelger Vigasma, Josh Ravitz, Gabe Seif, William Jensen, Owen Turtenwald, Gadenis Vidigaris, Jamie Park, and Tom Ross. Now, uh, so I think at, Ross is out of that group, and I think that Chap- Chapin's out of that group. Okay, so that being said, Cuneo went 9-4, Finkel came in 10th, uh, Yelger top 8 Rabbits top 50, Jensen top 50, Turtwald and Duke top 75, and Gadiris, uh, Gadenis uh, top one. So. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take Huey, I guess. Yeah, you can't go wrong with two of the Peach Gardens. I'm so. going to, like, 100% snap off Huey while he's here. Oh, Fuck. good job. Okay. Because that's the other guy I wanted was Ari Lax. I really think Ari Lax has, like, a ridiculous so, team, so I'm super him. happy with Lax. Okay. KYT. Hmm. I'm gonna take my boy Alex Hayne. Yeah. Because I 
don't think he's coming back. Uh, and I'll take... Man, this is tough. Wow, I guess PV is doing a lot better this year than he last is doing year. A lot better this year. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Oh man, uh, give me PV. Classic pick. Give me PV. Okay. Yeah, with all of his Hearthstone practicing, he'll do really well. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to go with Sam Black. <laughs> we get four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then I'm gonna take second. Looking. None of you guys are taking Sean McLaren. Looking. I mean, out of all people, it should be Jeremy. God, I have. Yeah, oh God, I, I have some really close picks that I want to take here. Um, I like. I want to take Raptor. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to take. Uh, I want to take like Leechy Chan. I think. Yeah. And uh, and then I have like a couple that I'm prepared to wheel for the fourth slot, like you know the Curry the favor slot. I think I have to go with. I could easily make six picks. Like I've got, I've got. I know there's so many, so many good ones. Who do you have so far? Who do I have so far? Yeah, Paul Ritzel and Yuya Watanabe. Mm. So I'm trying to, like, work the spread a little bit. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go with Raptor. He came in, like, 12th in GP Dallas. So I'm going to go with Raptor. Okay. Yeah. Jay, you get two. Yeah, wheel to you, Jay. I'm going to take uh, Lee Shishian. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to take Sean McLaren. Nice. Okay. Oh, shit. What? Maybe. You want to change your last pick? Maybe Shahar. No, I don't have any faith in Shahar. Wow. <laughs> Sean Shahar. Suck on that, Shahar. All right. Well, I'm going to take... Um, oh, maybe I'm... Oh, see, you know what? I have a lot of faith in... Um, I have a lot of faith in Mike Sigrist right now. Okay? Sigrist came off of his win from GP Toronto. He was also in the top 20 of GP Dallas-Fort Worth. Um, he's a strong performer consistently for Team Face. So in the event that Team Face does break it, that's a representative from Team Face as well. I think uh, Owen Turtwald was saying that he's the best player playing Magic right now. Really? Good enough for me. I've also had Alex tell me that... Mike Sigrist. ...has Stan. taught him a few things on about Limited, so... Speaks highly of Siggy. He's also great pick. Look, he's also a good dude. He saw I saw him in Montreal. No, he was Montreal. He went not Toronto. I saw him in Montreal, and it was like, "Hey, Mike, how's it going?" He's like, "Scotty, how's it going?" So, like, fucking that guy gets my vote. Yep, Mike Sigrist. <laughs> Lock good it. one. Oh man, so like, I got a few that I got. I I I got to run out because like, I still want I want Pascal to get platinum, but I don't know if I should put my vote on Pascal. Just for that. So, Remember what happened last time you did that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's that. Then there's the other side of it. Um, actually, I, I, I know who I got to go with. I'd like to go Shahar Shinar because, like, the kid's got Moxie. Kid's got Moxie. But, this is fucking bullshit. But obviously, uh, the true pick, the person that I have to go with, is the man, the myth, the legend, my spirit animal. Nemo. Yes! So yes! Good. 
yeah. I'm like, this thing is rigged. There's fucking no way that you can handle this without picking Namsung Wook. Okay. Does not happen. Jeremy, if you pick Namsung He's going to Starfield into the top eight. Yeah, maybe. If you're taking no. Namsung Wook, I, I, I'll take Michael J. Flores. This is... <laughs> You know what? Flores is on a great team. He's on Ari Lax's team. Ari Lax's team is like ridiculous right now. And no, Lax isn't on teamwork. Or team he? Ultra Pro. No, no. Team he's on team he's on team TCG. Lax. Yeah, but team T- yeah, Team TCG has like started gone gone out and grabbed all these like crazy people. Oh, don't get me wrong, it's a very good team, but Flores, thought, Flores thought, is working thought... with Team Ultra Pro. Yeah. Which is the old teamwork, which is like Chapin and uh um uh, I West thought go. the two of them were. Well, I thought like they, they kind of so. merged for this one. No, no, no. Because that team's ridiculous. Like I think Kibler even jumped in on that team. Like they just kind of went and grabbed everybody. Okay, so Team Ultra Pro is Patrick Chapin, Mike Flores, Rich Hohen, by the way, which is amazing. Bob yeah. Barr, Ben Stark, Paul Rietzel, Sam Black, Craig Wesco, Adrian Sullivan, um, and Matt Sperling. Like this is. This is an insane team. Ben Stark. I did mention Ben Stark, right? Like, yeah. This team is David Williams, Pat Cox, like Rich Hohen, Sullivan, Justin Cohen, Andrew Backstrom, David Irvin, uh, David Heineman, Matt Severa, Brian Kowal. Like, this is this is an insane team, by the way. Team Ultra Pro. Uh, that said, um, Team TCG player in. February was it's like Conley Woods, Ari Lax, Andrew Shrout, Harry Corvesi, uh Mark Lilag, Seth Manfield, Chris Fennell, Steve Mann, Joe Demestrio, like let's let's call a spade a spade. Chris Fennell, like, without a doubt, one of the best limited specialists in the game. Seth Man Seth Manfield has proven uh his his skill at this game as well. Um yeah, Conley Woods, certified brewer, like that was last that was like the last pro tour. I, I they're, they're going to have some good shit as well. They, they, there's no shame for picking me the one of these. Yeah. So yeah, sweet. Holy jeez, we got a good draft here, folks. Yeah, a good draft. So what's the stakes? Oh yeah, we need stakes. Since you know, I st- I still have we we still have some some payups from the last time that we need to come around to. Yeah, Brazilian uh, on me still. Brazilian. Yeah, I'm never going to collect that fucking scumbag. You know what I think would be really cool? Because uh, someone pointed out that uh, there was uh, the card uh, uh, Kithion's Irregulars. Yes. They're joking that it's like, you know, it's, it's Super A-Team themed. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think that I the... I that was me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, if that was you, I think that the winner, each other person, has to send a foil one autographed to the winner. I like so you it. have to get your yeah. hands on a foil one and sign your name on it and send it to the winner. See, so the winner can say, go get their own and sign it and they can have a playset of the I team. was going to say that the loser had to send an altered one to the winners. To each, to everybody else. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I like, I like the winner getting one from everybody, but I mean, like, for example, if I win, I don't want one from everybody. Just save your money. Just save your money. <laughs> save your money. You say I'm crazy. <laughs> I don't know. What's the prize, KYT? Mr. Brazilian? Yeah, you guys uh, chip in here. Yeah. 
I know I'm not the only one on this podcast. Kithion's irregulars, huh? <clears throat> That's just an idea. The fact that Jay and I are on the same page to an extent is pretty badass. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Might want to yeah. check it before yeah. the show gets canceled. Burn it with fire. I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Okay. So the so we'll ask Durf to do an altar of the card. Right? And he'll do us all on the irregulars. And the loser has to pay for a copy to be sent to everyone. That's neat. Why don't we do that? Yeah, I'm done with that. But it's got to be foil. Okay, sure. It's got to be foil. So yeah. it'll be so for so they'll have so they'll have to pay Durf to do at least three if they want their own. Then they can do four. They have to pay Durf to do four altars. Uh, all of us as the Kithians regulars, and they'll have to buy four copies of foil Kithians regulars. Well, three, right? Because they don't have to have their own. Uh, right. So three. Yeah. So that they don't want. If they yeah. don't want, but if they do, I'm, they should. They should. Yeah, it would be shameful. To do. All right, and then how are we going to do the points then? Okay, so it's yeah we got to we got to refine this because we can set this up on like one of those Yahoo like sports pools because you can do that you can make your own shit. Yahoo, fucking not it. Yahoo. Well, last time we did it, it was um, it was points, right? Yeah, match win points. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do? You do like uh, two wins for, or two points for a win, one for a draw, zero for a loss? Three, uh, three, three. one, zero. Yeah. Three, one, zero, just like this. So like the standings okay. go up and they show the points, right? Oh, so okay. we're going to actually just use their points. So we'll just use their points, right? Okay, so right. so that way, it'll, the, it, the, the main metric is match win points, like, like match points. Okay. Uh, and then the tiebreaker being the highest placing. Okay, and then if you're if one of your guys spikes it, you just get like fifty bonus points. Well, like, the top eight usually doesn't provide anything like that. Like you, well, you do get the bonus points for the yeah, I guess for the match. Uh, the top eight, you can get a potential of nine more points. No, I don't care about that. I just care about like in our draft. If one if, of like, your guys if, wins like, three the pro of your tour, guys shit the bed, and then but like your guy spikes it, you should get fifty points to kind of make it even because you spiked a fucking pro tour. Okay. No, so here's here's the here's the caveat that we'll throw in. If one of our picks wins the pro tour, do we just win? Then that that person just wins. What? That that adds the like random. I like that. I like that. You like that? What so, if one of your picks gets DQ'd? Uh, then pick better next time. Yeah. You just snap lose. Hopefully, yeah. there's a good story for us to talk about. Yeah. Don't yeah. snap lose, but uh, yeah. but no, pick better next. time. Yeah, so that's what we'll do. So if the, if if one of our picks snap wins the thing, then that that instantly wins, and then otherwise it's like match win percentages and highest ranking. That makes it exciting. Ooh, yeah. the underdog could never be out. Ooh, all right, good. I like it. Sweet. All right, I'll see you guys later. I mean, talk to you guys Thanks. later. <laughs> all right, take it easy, KYT. Good good testing, buddy. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. So Jay, tell us yeah. all about this brand new game that you played this weekend. Tell us. So where did you go? Do you went to the in-laws, right? Yeah, in Kamaloops. Yes. Kamalama Ding Dong. Having been there, I can tell you that it is one of the premier drinking capitals of 
drinks. The east of the west coast. Yeah, oh yeah, it's great. It's good times. Good times. Uh, so I have heard of Beersby before, um, but I've never played it. It's a common game that people play, uh, like in like when you go camping quite a bit. So all you need for Beersby is you need two sticks that can hold up like a beer bottle or a beer can. Okay. Uh, and then you need a frisbee of okay. some kind, like a disc, a discus. So what you do <laughs> is you set up the you set up the posts equal distance apart. Uh, obviously, because they're apart. So you set up the, the posts on either side of wherever playing field so like you're arbitrarily playing. around 36 feet across? Uh, 36 sure. feet apart, yeah. yeah? Sure. And then what you do is you throw the frisbee, and you try to hit, knock off the beer bottle. Um, okay. So now, there's some official rules online. Like, if you look it up, there's some official rules. I'm, like, I'm looking at them right now. I didn't even know this was a thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, official thing. So we sent official out rules for we sent thing. out Riley, my idiot brother-in-law, to uh, to get <laughs> what a title. He's like, he's like I'm yeah. That's his. That's on his business card. So we sent <laughs> him out to get like he went out to get beer. So we told him get sticks if you can find. I'm sure in a beer store they're gonna have like some fucking like some like a like a like a like a what are those fucking things called that like they're like marking posts you see them on like construction sites and shit they mark like the edge of stuff it's just like a basically oh yeah yeah just like uh just like, thin, uh, like survey sticks type yeah things. it's like a thin wooden stick that has the yeah. shape into a point of wood right yeah. so yeah. i was yeah, like survey you, gotta, you gotta have you gotta be able to find something and i was just find something and if you can't uh like i don't know buy something that we can stick like, buy a fucking tent pole that we can stick in the ground and then like buy a frisbee it'll be like two dollars just fucking of course he doesn't but we got super lucky. So I have figured out the best thing for Beersby. Uh, we got super lucky. The, the fucking neighbor, we just told everyone that was coming to this fiesta, because every year we do like this, uh, this family reunion fiesta party. And so we just told them uh, to bring games. So somebody brought over, you know those Frisbees that, ha- that are, I don't know how to say, like it's not hollow, but they're like not curved. Like a Frisbee is like 3D. Yeah. But- those frisbees that are like completely flat and they're generally like spongy or like bendable yeah and the yeah. center is like a hole yeah whatever those are called like turbo discs or some shit yeah 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 yeah. so he brought over a game that had one of those and it had two basically just like tent poles like just steel rods but on the top of them they had little like that spongy like kid material that spongy shit and it was in a it made into like a flower so obviously this game is for children and it's like throw the turbo disc and get it to go like almost like horseshoes like ring around the pole right? sure sure flower would hold a beer bottle on it so i just immediately hijacked this shitty game from him because there was no children. And I said, like, we're playing Beersby. So I just threw some bottles on there. So, so for those of you that are listening at home, Kyle will put in uh, the show notes the, uh, the link to Beersby. Just Beersby.com, really. Yeah. Um, but basically what you're doing is you're putting the fucking – you're putting the poles in. You're putting beer bottles on them. And then the object of the game is to throw – it's like beer pong. You're just throwing the Frisbee and trying to knock off the beer bottle. Now, there's a bunch of different ways that you can play it. But, uh, and like, we didn't play with points or anything, which would have, in hindsight, made it a lot better. But some of the rules that we played with were things like, like, the Frisbee always has to be caught if able. So, uh, you can't just throw the Frisbee, like, fucking, like, directly 90 degrees to the left and then be like, haha, you didn't catch it, so you have to take a drink. So, within reason, we said within six feet of the pole on either side, because that's like a man's arm length. Sure. 
like an average arm length, we said. If it's within six feet, you have to catch it if it's going to go behind the pole. If it's going to land in front of the pole, then the person who threw it drinks. Nice. If it lands behind the pole and you didn't catch it, the person who was supposed to catch it drinks. There's a, a rule where the Frisbee has to be always thrown. You can never pass it. Like, you can never hand it to someone. So if I throw... And then it misses, and then Scotty throws it back to me, and me and Jeremy are on the same team. I catch it, we don't drink, and I just hand it to Jeremy because it's Jeremy's turn to throw because we alternate throws. We both have to take a drink. I have to throw it to Jeremy. It doesn't have to be like a, like a, like a fucking ultimate Frisbee throw. It just has to be like a little toss, right? Now, okay. we also played that when you knocked over the, the beer bottle, if you hit it directly, a direct hit, you had to finish your drink. If you knock, if you hit it by hitting the pole, then it was three drinks instead. If I knock off your beer bottle and you catch it in midair, we, the throwers, have to finish our drinks. Uh, and if you touch the frisbee in front of your pole, so if I throw it at Scott's target and Scott like fucking bats it out of the air before it's crossed the pole line, then they finish their drinks. Or I guess only Scott finishes his drink. Um, and then if there was also a rule where if it hits the ground in front of the pole, we, like we said, the thrower has to drink. But if it bounces up and, and knocks the beer bottle off, then the thrower has to finish their drink. Uh, and then we were like kind of getting bored with just regular throws. So then we started saying, like, if you do um, if you do a, like a trick shot, like throwing it behind the back or like a fucking offhand, then it's double. And if you do it with your, if you do a trick shot with your offhand, so I'm right-handed. So if you do like a behind the back, under the leg with your left hand, and you're right-handed, then it's uh, it's chug your drink, and then or it's finish your drink, and then chug a beer. And then there was one other rule that we played with, but I can't remember what it was. How can you have all these rules and drink? Oh, that was in the the other rule was the other rule was uh, it, you have to have your drink in your hand at all times. Oh, okay. So hold on. So you put an empty bottle. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just and, and the, it's kind of like when you play beer pong. You can you, like some people use cups filled with water instead of beer, uh, so that the be- like the ball doesn't get all gross and you're not drinking like a bunch of skeezy shit. Sure. Sure. Okay. So it's the same kind of idea. You put an empty, like we used, I think we had a beer bottle and we had like a Gatorade bottle. It really doesn't matter as long as they're about equal weights so that it's fair. And they're like, and they're about the same size. You don't want to be using like a beer can and like a beer keg. Sure. So, um, yeah. And it was fucking awesome. It was so awesome. I got smashed by like, we started playing at like 4.30 or 5-ish. And I was fucking gunned. <laughs> at like uh, seven, maybe. Nice. Because my team sucked so many balls. I thought <laughs> I was fucking just crushing it by snap picking all of the young, uh, all the young athletic boys that were there. I know that sounds creepy, but so like my stupid idiot brother-in-law is there, and all of his like goofy fucking friends are there, and they all like played football in high school, and they all work out, and they all like fucking are bros, you know. And generally speaking, bros can can are can generally do most physical normal activities like throw a fucking frisbee. Uh, these kids, it was like they had like fucking no thumbs. They were trying to throw a frisbee without a thumb. It doesn't fucking work. And these kids couldn't hit like a, they couldn't hit the ground. It's unbelievable. So we lost to like two forty-year-old men. 
who were blind, basically. They had, like, fucking trifocals on, thick as a Coke bottle. And we just got crushed by them. So there were times where I was, like, two beers in the hole. Like, we would be sitting there, and I'd, be, I'd like, hit the, the beer can would get hit off. I'd finish my drink. I'd put it back up. The old man would throw the Frisbee. Knock. As I'm getting a beer, he would fucking knock our beer bottle off. So I'd be trying to crush that beer. While I was doing that, I was telling my friend Jason to make me a beer in Clamato so I could slow down just a smidge. Uh, it's still a full beer, right? You just weighs you down a little bit with some Clamato, right? And while I'm wa- while I'm chugging a beer and waiting for the one in the hole to show up, the other old man knocks the bottle off. Oh, no. <laughs> so I just chug this beer. I finish my drink and chug a beer. Then I chug a beer in Clamato. Then I have, like, fucking the hiccups for two hours. And I'm trying to play Beersby. And I'm just fucking hammered. And then these fucking goofy kids I'm playing with, as soon as we have to chug a beer, they, like, chug it, and then they just quit playing, and they, like, rotate out to the next guy because they don't want to get so hammered. But <laughs> I'm not rotating. No one's offering to rotate me out. So I'm, every time my team loses, I'm one more in the bag. <laughs> so if, you, uh, if you have Twitter, go back to, what day was it? Saturday? God, the you were 25th. literally tweeting gibberish. Saturday the 25th. Go back to that and look at my tweet. Um, I assure you, if you read them and you think a little bit, it's kind of like Dan Lampier. You can figure out how to spell that last name. You can figure out what I'm saying on them tweets. Just takes a little bit of panache. So that was really fun. That was a good time. Uh, and then I was just fucking hammered. Like, you know, then the brandy came out. And we were just fucking those. Oh, and, uh, oh, man, there was some grape vodka. Oh, I found some Kraken. Yeah. I remember Kraken tasting a lot better, but uh, I mixed it with root beer, okay, vanilla root beer, and it wasn't good. No, but I've met, everything else I've ever had Kraken with is really good. So just FYI for you, those of you out there, if you find Kraken, don't mix it with vanilla root beer. I thought it would be really good because I really like root beer and Kraken, but uh, not so great. Not so great. Okay. Oh. Um. Yeah. Just fucking. That was my. That was basically my weekend. Like just. Fucking obliterated. Wow. Playing was B. I uh I ba- I made some I, I made an epic meal. Okay. Oh I saw I saw a thing that was made of things. <laughs> I made a uh I made a uh potato bacon cheddar tart. Holy shit. Which basically is like a bacon pie. <laughs> A bacon pie. So imagine it's like it's like a it's like uh, like a a whole brick of old cheddar shredded up. It was like four baked potatoes. Sounds very binding. Two pounds of bacon. And so what you do is you like imagine it was like a potato cheese filling and a bacon crust all around. It was insane. Yeah, lots of pictures on my Twitter feed. So make sure if you're interested, go check that out. Because it was like, and it was really, really, oh, man. really good. It was the best, right? It was super the best. Yes. Everybody that had some was just like, wow. Just wow. So, yeah, we'll make again. 10 out of 10, we'll make again. So. Nice. Yeah, man. Nice. Um, So I didn't get to play any Magic, uh, obviously, because I was in Kamloops and there was no, no other Magic nerds there. But uh, I did work a little bit on my Game of Thrones while I was recovering. Yes. Uh, So I came up with, like, a new 
a new mechanic. We needed we needed a, a Baratheon mechanic. We didn't really have one for the Baratheons. Uh-huh. Uh, so we came up with one that... I don't know how good this card is. There's been some discussion. So okay. why don't you guys let me know? Okay. So without knowing what the other cards do... Actually, maybe this is a good time. We're getting close to the end. Maybe I yeah. will spill some of the cards. Okay. So have I talked about Robert Baratheon at all? Mm. I don't think so, right? I don't, I don't think so. And I don't think I've talked about Joffrey, and I don't think I've talked about Renly. Okay, so let's let's preview Renly Baratheon. He's 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 fun. So uh, Renly was made. All these cards actually were made quite a long time ago. I just added the ability way way late. In the game. So Renly was originally uh, a one one for green white. Uh, he's a legendary Baratheon creature. Whenever he attacks, he gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each attacking creature. So, uh, by himself, not very impressive, which is, you know, very similar to Renly himself. Uh, but when he's got his bannerman behind him, you know, he's quite impressive. <clears throat> so. <laughs> See what you did there. <laughs> uh, so, there's, uh, so that's, that's Renly. Uh, and then. On the other side of the Baratheon, I guess, fight and scale, we also have Joffrey. So Joffrey Baratheon is a 2-1 legendary Baratheon Lannister for black. Uh, his abilities read that players cannot gain life, and at the beginning of your upkeep, you put a minus one, minus one counter on each other creature. Okay. okay. Is he, like, that much of a drag to the party? Oh man, he is a fucking hyper drag. He is so hated that not only is Joffrey hated, but the actor that plays Joffrey has quit acting. <laughs> he played his character so well that he is now a fucking accountant. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, <clears throat> there's a couple other, obviously, uh, there's some other Baratheons, there's some Roberts, and there's some Stannises, you know. Maybe there's a Salise here, or a Shireen there. But, uh, for now, we'll just preview those two Baratheons, because I feel like they're very opposite. You, know, you have Renly Baratheon, green-white, he's very, you know, he's, he's an older kingly brother, he knows about court, and the, the ways of men, and how to go about. And then you have Joffrey, you know, he's black, he's evil, he's rude. You know, some would dispute that he's even a Baratheon. He's on the other side of the spectrum. He's tiny, he's young, he's small, he's ambitious. He's not wise, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, we were trying to figure out uh, Baratheon ability. All the legend, all the houses, uh, the five great houses or whatever, they all have uh, their own kind of identity. But the Baratheons didn't really have one. And the problem with the Baratheons uh, is that they're, they're all over the place. So, like, Starks are going to be generally green, generally white, maybe a little red. Um, you know, Lannisters, generally black, generally blue, maybe a little red. Uh, you know, so you, you run into some, a lot of the, the great houses, I guess, a lot of them are, uh, I guess what I would say, they're very heavily maybe in two colors, and then they sometimes branch out into another one. The problem with the Baratheons is, uh, you can make, and I mean, this is a this is a good thing and a bad thing, and we've talked about it before on the show. But the problem with the Baratheons is like, uh, as a creature type, as a as a personality from the the books and show, uh, is they kind of fit into every color. Yeah. So you have Joffrey, 
who is very black. He's very evil. He's very terrible. Do anything for power. Very, you know, he supports the black wedge. And then you have guys like, say, Stannis, who, uh, without saying any kind of spoilers from the most recent season, but you have guys like Stannis who are, like, basically, like, lawful good. Like, they, they believe in, like, uh, doing, generally doing the right thing, but also, like, if it's the law, then that's what's right. Like, it doesn't matter if he thinks it's right or what his morals are. If the, if the law of the land is to do X, then if you do X, you're good, and if you don't do X, then you're bad. And that's kind of his moral compass. And then you have, you know, guys like Renly, maybe a little bit more uh, morally ambiguous. Uh, you got guys like Robert, who are not even close to white. They're green, they're maybe red, you know, very uh, ambitious, very warrior-like, very powerful, um, you know, very emotional, do what I want. So you kind of have them on, on all colors, and so it's difficult to make a mechanic. If you look at magic sets, it's, there's not very many mechanics um, when they put out a set uh, that kind of flow through all all colors. Yeah. So it's pretty difficult. So I, I was trying to come up with a, um, a Baratheon mechanic specifically, and I thought, you know, the theme of the set is the War of the Five Kings, which is the early stages of uh, the setting of the early stages of the Game of Thrones world. So basically, you know, a king has died or a king has moved on, and there's all these, uh, I guess, challengers to the throne. And a lot of them uh, are Baratheons, right? You got King Robert was on the throne. His king, his kid is Joffrey. He's on the throne. Uh, his two brothers, Stannis and Renly, they want the throne. Um, and so I thought, you know, like, what an interesting way to, for a, for a Baratheon mechanic, maybe our mechanic only hits the main characters. So they only hit the Praetors, you know? They only hit the, the namesakes. Okay. So the, the mechanic I came up with uh, is called King's Blood. So I don't want to, again, spoil too much from the show. But in the show, uh, there are certain things that kind of revolve around, like, the royal line and, and, and who has and who supposedly has King Bl- King's Blood and so on and so forth. So the mechanic is King's Blood. Uh, this creature gets plus one, plus one for each Baratheon creature card in your graveyard. So... The flavor, I guess, kind of behind that is uh, each Baratheon kind of becomes more powerful. This is in the show, sorry, not the game. It kind of translates to the game as well, but it becomes more powerful the less Baratheons there are around. So Robert was like the main king. Nobody really fucked with him. Everybody was kind of happy that he was king, kind of not. But nobody was like usurping him, really. Then he died. And Joffrey, which was his uh, oldest, like his firstborn son, became the king. And so, and that's like how like patriarchy and matriarchy generally works, right? That's not new information. Yeah. So, you know, as one, one Baratheon left, another kind of became powerful. Because Joffrey before that was just a, a pissant, uh, who was the son of the king. But also then what happens is you have guys like Stannis and Renly who are now challenging for the throne, which where they would have never had any claim to it whatsoever. And even if they tried, no one would really deal with that because their older brother, who was King Robert, was on the throne. So now again, you have a situation where the king, like one of the Baratheons has died. All the other Baratheons have become more powerful. Is the flavor behind this mechanic. So, uh, now, again, because it's called King's Blood, I didn't put this mechanic on every Baratheon. Um, some creatures in the set are Baratheon-type, but they are not 
Baratheons by blood, I guess you could say. Okay. So, for example, if you were, say, part of the Kingsguard for Joffrey, or you were sworn to defend the family, you're technically a Baratheon. You get all the benefits of being a Baratheon, right? You, um, you basically, you get to, you're privileged, you're treated almost as a member of the family when you're outside of the family. Obviously, the family members generally don't treat you like the family, but everybody else does, right? You're, you're, you're the guy. So those guys didn't get this ability because they're not king's blood. They're not of the blood of the king, right? But uh, I think five Baratheons ended up getting this ability. Okay. So five Baratheons have this ability, and there is a total right now of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There's thirteen Baratheons in the set so far. So what do you think of this ability? I don't know if it's too powerful. It's not powerful enough. Oh my god, just say the ability. Yeah. I did. No, you didn't. And, yeah, if, if, and if you did, yeah. But King's Blood. But what does it do? I told you. The Baratheon gets plus one plus one for each Baratheon in your graveyard. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I missed that too. What? Yeah. We wouldn't like be going, oh my god, tell us if no. we knew that. Well, I said it like two seconds ago. So okay. the, ability, the ability is King's Blood. Yeah. And then it, it's all the cards that have it, it's this card gets plus one plus one for each Baratheon card in your graveyard. So, like I said, so Joffrey is a two one for one with all those other abilities, but then he also has King's Blood. Interesting. So, flavorfully, I understand, right? So, like when other people's claims to the throne dwindle because they are dead, then your claim becomes stronger, and as a result, your grip on power becomes firm. right. Right. I think it's fine. Like, but then you should also. So you should have King's Blood, not just for the Baratheons, right? Like, do you have? Um. Oh, like, are they the only ones? Do you have? So, yeah, right now they are. Okay. M- mainly because the they're the ones that are on the throne. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So is there any way that you can, like, expand that out to, uh, I don't know, you kill your rivals, right? Yeah. I mean, like, so the the issue is, I think, like, if you have, if you can, if you can change it from, like, Baratheon. What about in all graveyards? It should be in all graveyards. Well, I guess that. Maybe it should be an all graveyard. Well, think about it. I mean, if you're if you're I Joffrey and you're Joffrey's forces, and then all of a sudden, like Renly's forces are attacking you, and you fucking kill and you them kill all, Renly. Yeah, you become more powerful. Yeah, yeah, because Renly is trying to ascend to the throne, even though he's not like on your team. Yeah, it should be. It should be. An and all then that graveyard. also makes it interesting from a place perspective, because now I could draft like a single on color Baratheon. Ooh. What what if when I'm not the Baratheon deck? Right. What if instead if is sorry it, it was if he's the only Baratheon he gets the bonus right? No no it's it's they get the bonus for each Baratheon in your graveyard. Yeah so they, what if it's he's the only Baratheon so that if there's another Baratheon on the board like your opponent's got a Baratheon then the two of them kind of cancel each other out because there's a power struggle. Well that's fine but then the bonus has to change right? Yeah because like. Because with this bonus, you get plus one, plus one for each Baratheon creature. So, yeah. effectively, like, this guy could end up being, like, a 5-6, right? Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you had it, if you're the only Baratheon in play, 
then they would have to get like some other bonus, and the, I feel like the bonus would have to be significant. Well, no, no, you could only enable the King's Blood bonus when he oh, is the only the Baratheon only in play. Yeah, when you're the only Baratheon. Hmm. Well, okay, that kind of works. But then the other thing is like kind of what Scotty said, where like when one Baratheon dies, they all become more powerful, not just one of them. Hmm. You're right. only you're only giving King's Blood to the unique legendary. To the actual kings, yeah. Like like uh I think it's fine. Yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah. I think I think it's I think it's fine ability. I I think that it's perfectly scaled. And I think that you want these characters to be prominent. Yes. So this is a really good way to bring that up. Now, again, there's thirteen Baratheons, and right now I think there's only one, two, three. Or, yeah, five with this ability. Now, the issue is that those span all five colors except for blue, because there's no blue Baratheons right now. So that's a problem? Well, no, that's what I'm saying. So, like, with the ability being only your graveyard, the issue becomes that... Oh, no, it has to be all graveyards. It must be all graveyards, Yes, right? it must be all graveyards. it must be all graveyards. Now, does that make it too powerful? I don't think it does. I don't think it does. That. You're going to have this on, like, five fucking people in the entire set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fine. It's a way for you to, like, identify these people as insane. Yeah, for sure. It's Some like pushing that... the Elder Dragons in yeah, fucking Dragons yeah, of Turn. Exactly, yeah, Some of the things that came up with that just, like, uh, were were uh, were brought up, and I don't agree with these. This is the other, the other point of view. It's just that, like, if you have all of these, then you're unbeatable. Um, sure, but then you're playing a five-color deck. Yeah, or you're playing a three-color three deck, even, let's say. Most of them are in the three-color. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the thing is like, so long as you make some... fixing fucking terrible. Well, yeah, there you should make be them some... all multicolored. Yeah, and there should be some reward for playing like difficult drafts and yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that makes sense. I think changing it to all graveyards actually is better. Nice. See, great work. Yeah, I, I like it. So yeah, so I worked on those, and then I made a bunch of those uh, sweet enchantments that uh, Jeremy was talking about. I didn't copy your guys' enchantments word for word. I made some of them, but I didn't, uh, but I liked, I really, actually a lot of people really liked Jeremy's ideas, including me, of uh, making, like, the enchantments, the non-magical enchantments, like the titles. Yeah, yeah like titles. Uh, and- yeah, and then somebody brought up something that I didn't even think of, where they said, like, because it makes the guys more powerful, they're obviously a target. Like, that's kind of how magic works, right? Is you... Yeah. You, you try and get your two-for-ones. Yeah, exactly. You try to get your two-for-one. Plus, like, you want to get a two-for-one not only for the va- inherent value of two cards for one, but also because, like, enchanting them with something beneficial has made them a target. Like, it's made them more powerful. So you want to kill that guy instead of killing the other regular guy. So somebody brought up the fact that, like, that flavorfully also makes them a target. If you're the master of coin then people want to get rid of you so they can be the master of coin or so that they can have who they want as now, the master do you, of coin. are you, like, restricting these titles to, like, the small council? Or are you going to do, like, Lord of Hall? Oh, for now, I'm probably going to restrict it to the small council. Mm-hmm. Um, again, depending on kind of how much fun and feedback, positive or negative, I get from this, uh, will depend on if I want to do the next set. Like, if yeah. I want to actually make the block. You're doing this one entirely by yourself, right? You, you're not, you didn't ask anybody else to... Yeah, I have, like, I have, like, one other person that's helping me, but they're focusing more on the development side of things. So things like, hey, you made a card, and this already exists. You already, you chose the same name as a card that exists. Like, ah, oh, fuck. Or 
or things like, this card is a 5-5 for one mana and has Trample, Haste, and Indestructible. And he'll be like, yeah, don't make that card. That's stupid. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not that that situational. But there's things like that. Or, like, there's things where, like, because he basically has been playing Magic for, like, ever. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot, like, he's not really interested in making, like, new flashy Magic cards. Um, to him, Magic is very boring. Not boring, but just, like, new cards are very boring. He doesn't get excited about spoilers and stuff. Because every Magic card to him is just a, re- like, a, a slight reprint of a Magic card that already existed, right? And when you think about Magic cards, a lot of them are kind of like that. Um, so I can understand why he's not like super jacked up about it like I am. So the, it kind of works as a great team because I will uh, make a card and he'll, if it doesn't make sense or if it's too wordy, like when, if it's literally all I want the guy to do is when he comes in, he kills a guy, but I can't like word it that way because of like, I don't know, legendary and creature types and some bullshit. Yeah. Just ask me like, what are you trying to do? Like this card that you, that you've written the way the rules text works in, in magic don't work. So what are you trying to do? And then I'll tell him, and then he'll say, like, oh, like this card? And right. he'll just find it. And I'll never know what these cards are, right? Sure, sure. But, like, but the bottom line is, like, the last time you guys did build your own. Oh, yeah, it was, there was, like, eight of us or six. Yeah, or and it, yeah. like, really, it sounded like it. the experience ended up being not as cohesive as you wanted it to. Correct. I was, I was personally quite upset. Not upset, but I was bummed. Because the set didn't feel like it, like it didn't feel like a set that went together. It felt like six very small sets that had no cohesion whatsoever. Yeah. Which yeah. is like, how bad is that, right? When you're playing Magic, if it's like fucking, I mean, could you imagine playing Origins if like two creatures had Menace and two had Renown and two had Flying and two had Island Walk and two had Intimidate? Like, yeah, it just doesn't feel like you know, Intimidate and Menace are effectively the same thing, but it just doesn't feel the same right yep so yeah nice yeah so yeah so like i, I just wanted to give a little mini shout out to jer for that hey. uh, like said, that was a really good those are really good cycle of enchantments um so I'm, I'm sure i'll probably steal one or steal a few and try to rework them a little bit i think um i think you really should like you've got artwork for all these two which yeah. is proving sometimes difficult. Of course. You have to um, enlist the assistance of people, and that's fine. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. And sometimes just even finding, like, a non-GIF version. Like, sometimes you'll search for something, and you're like, oh, my God, this is the perfect fucking shot. But it's a GIF, and yeah. I don't know how to get a picture out of a GIF. How, um... So, you should really talk to Scott, the Boost Cube? Yes. About, like... Finding a way to post your set when it's done. I should do that. I don't know how to do that. Yeah. So you but should. To be fair, that's why I didn't post the Looney Tunes one. Yeah. I just like don't know how to do that, and I just don't have fucking thirty hours to figure that out. Yeah. You should actually one hundred percent do that because I would love to like when you're done proxy your fucking set. Take oh my it, god. Take it to face to face games and yeah. drop it off. No, no. We so we I talked about this. So we I was talking about how like um. I talked about how, just like five seconds ago, we talked about how, depending on how much feedback I get from this, yeah. there'll be how much more I do. So normally what happens is like these sets can kind of be a little bit cl- closed because you do a boost set with like the six guys, right? You all design cards. And then you, you're the only six guys that draft it. If not everybody loves it, 
It's very difficult to draft it more than once. Yeah. And it's very difficult to figure out a format and figure out what's good and what's not if you don't draft it more than once, right? Correct. Um, so, I mean, like, obviously, I'm drafting enough cards that everybody's going to be able to pick 45 of them or however many you need to draft, right? So what's going to happen is, invariably, 15 cards from each player is going to sit in a sideboard. So how bummed am I going to be when Littlefinger sits in the sideboard or Ned Stark or King Robert Baratheon sit in a sideboard because they can't get played because... You know, maybe I first picked a triple green guy or a double blue guy yep. and then moved into red green, right? Yep. So um, so the thing with me that is, is going to be kind of different with this set is I actually, I, I want to post this online and I want people to play it. If not, just even like more so than just look at it and give me feedback, like that would be nice. But what I would really love is I would love people to play it, whether they look, they think it looks like shit or not. I would love people to play it and then tell me things um, that worked, that didn't work, little, because I want them to find little things that I never even thought of, right? Um, and I think it would be very sweet. And that's like so much more playtesting than you would normally get in, right? Like I've only played my Looney Tunes boo that I made. I only played that like once, I think. And I only made 45 out of the fucking 300 cards to begin with. Yeah. Right? So that was kind of a bummer. I, like, put all this work in. It was really fun. Like, the design process is really fun. And finding, you know, Looney Tunes cards and then trying to figure out, like, oh, what would Elmer Fudd be? And what would Daffy Duck be is fun. But then, like, you like you put in, like, three months, a year worth of work to do that. And then you play it one time. And it's like, well, maybe the next time it rolls around, I just don't have time for that. Right? Yeah. So it'd be, I, I would love it if fucking you played this at face-to-face one day as, as Cube or, you know, one day for a fucking PPQ, if, Jer- if Jeremy's down in uh, Calgary or I'm up in Edmonton, we play yeah. this or something, you know, for one round, you know? Or some guy in fucking New Zealand plays it. or That would be yeah. so cool because playgroups play differently, you know, than what you're used to. There's a lot of, like, and I've noticed this a lot with Cube where I'll say to someone, like, look at my Cube, what do you think? And people will say, like, well, you don't have any of these cards in it. And I'll say, like, oh, yeah, are those are, – I used to say, like, are those good? And they would say, like, oh, those are insane. And then I would just slot those cards in without realizing that, like, the environment is different. But also, my play group is different. Like, if no one will play that card because no one that you play with likes this card, then it's not saying that it's a bad card and that's why it's out of the queue. But just, like, why would you use a slot up on it, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's what's going to happen with, um, with my Game of Thrones. And I've noticed that before, right? Where I'll design a card, and uh, then I'll say on Twitter, I'll say, like, hey, I'm just sitting down to design Game of Thrones cards. Why don't you guys throw ideas at me while I'm here? Just to kind of, so that, because that's what I'm doing, so we can kind of have a back and forth. And people will send me cards that I've already designed. Like, they'll send me a Ned Stark, or they'll send me a, you know, a, a fucking, some kind of, like, enchantment that is an arrest or something, right? Yeah. But I will already have a card that's a Ned, or I will already have that card, but I've changed it a little bit. And so, you know, I would love for somebody to play the, like, for you guys in Toronto to play it. And then it's like, oh, you know, this was really interesting, but I thought you could have gone this way with Starks. And I'm like, wow, I never even considered that. Yeah. That seems so fucking cool. Right? Yeah. So, and if the feedback is good, like, and, and not good as in, like, you're the best, let me suck your dick, but good as in that I get enough of it that it seems like this was actually a valuable thing not only for me but for just anybody out there that you know um wanted to think about doing something like this or or wanted to just play like their favorite you know books with their favorite magic set but didn't you know thought it was too daunting to design a set um 
you know, I'll design, I'll design another Game of Thrones set. Like, I was talking to Ruben about it, and, uh, like, we had the idea, I don't know who came up with it first, but we both mentioned, like, it would be great to have, like, a fucking, like, a 600-card Game of Thrones, like, cube that's, like, three sets, like a block. Yeah, yeah. That would be really fun. And it would allow me to do a lot of different things that I kind of couldn't do in this one set. You know, like you said, am I limiting it to the small council titles only? And it's kind of like, well, I kind of have to because there's certain slots that need to be made and I don't really have enough slots to have, like, the Lord of Hall, the Lord of the Trident, the Lord of, you know... Sure. I haven't really even touched, like, Essos. I've, I'm, I'm mostly focused in Westeros, yeah. right? Yeah. But it'd be cool to have, like, maybe some of the SI guys or that council that's over there, that, like, the 12 people of Marine and shit, right? But I don't really have any of that in this set, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. So it's it's going pretty good. It's fun. And I'm almost done. Um, you know, I probably have, I'd say, like, on t- in total, I, I maybe have 100 cards left. But really, I have, like, between, say, 5 and 10 cards per color left. Nice. That's not so a lot. Those, yeah, those start to fit. Like, 100 cards sounds like a lot. And actually, 100 cards might even be, that's, like, probably on the high side. But really, when you look at it, like, you know, green is the most cards I have left. And there's, I think, Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. So green is the most cards left, and it has 16 left. You know, red's got like four left. Black's got six left. White's got five left. Huh. So it's, it's not going to be long. Nice. Yeah. So I'm excited. Good. But I, definitely, I should definitely do that. I should maybe see if Booze Cube Guy wants to have a guest blogger or... Uh, or some, if you could just help me figure out how to even just post it on my own. Yeah, see if you'll see if you'll host it for us. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, so that's the magic and the beer segment from uh, Mo Ron's J to RC in the eighteen. That's sweet. Yeah, nice man. Well, I'm glad you had such an amazing weekend. Yeah, it was fun. It was a really good time. You guys gotta try beers, but you have to try it. Yep, will do. It's uh, that sounds a little wild. As it's, a matter of fact, it's wild. It's pretty wild. As a matter of fact, it's my mom's birthday this weekend. Nice. And they have like a huge backyard. There you and go. And my Problem brother's coming up. And it may be time to figure out how to make beers be. Yep. It's the best. Yep. He uh he is a he and I are can jammers. I don't know what that means. So can jam is another frisbee style game. Oh. Okay. Uh and basically it's like you know, you each get a frisbee. And or there's like one frisbee, and then there's like imagine a crazy carpet, okay? Yeah. And you make a cylinder out of it, along so that like you tie together the front and the back, okay? So you take like the front and the back, you roll it up, yeah, yeah, and you like seal it together, and then you cut a a mail slot, in it, okay? And okay. you put it on the ground, so it's got like an open, so it's like an open top cylinder with a mail slot. Right. That you could throw a frisbee into. Okay, okay. Okay? And so the idea is, is that you have um, your teammate stands on the other... So you put these two can jams on either side of the playing area, right? And your teammate is on the other side. Yeah. And your objective is to throw the, to throw the frisbee, and you either get it in the slot, in which case you win. Right. Okay. Or your idea, the you score a point when you throw it, and your partner tips it into the top of the can. Okay. Like, like an alley oop. Yes, precisely. 
So the idea is, is that if you can just like consistently throw it right over the can, and they can just consistently fucking jam it, jam it in. Yeah, you can eventually just win. Because hmm. uh, you know, and you play it when you're drinking, and anyway. so it's you can have them really far away. It's tough to mail slot it. It actually is very difficult. I bet, yeah. So, and I, and I may not even be like an, a win. It's like a pile of points. It's been a while since I played, but so we so we used to play a lot of that, and um. But this seems like it could be super interesting. The other thing we played is like this backyard. Like, I want to say it's 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 not lawn bowling. It's like you throw these bolos. Yeah, at... it's called uh, ladder ball. That's it. Yeah, we play that too. Yeah, I like that game too. Yeah. So, all good options. Summer is awesome. Yep, it is. You know what There's else? A lot is... of tribe years be though. You know what else is awesome? Do you know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow, tomorrow, fun- tomorrow functionally being like July twenty eighth. What's tomorrow? 2015. Your birthday? No. Your anniversary. It or... is It is the 10-year anniversary of the first day my wife and I ever got together. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So I have to... So you're shipping the kids off. I gotta figure something else. I gotta figure something out. Yeah. Extra babysitting time or something. Yeah, yeah I gotta figure that out. Extra nice. Congratulations. 10 years. It's 10 years. We've been, to, we've been together arc. as a couple for 10 years. That is insanity. It's pretty awesome. I'm a lucky man. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Anyways, so I have to, I guess, go and plan that event. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we all have to watch the Pro Tour. It's my mom's birthday this weekend on August 1st. So I don't know how much time I'm going to get to watch the Pro Tour. but uh, yeah, I'll Me be... neither, because it's the... Uh... Dota International 5, $17 yes. million prize pool. Oh, yeah. So just I've a been watching bucks. that just like a fucking madman on do, my iPad. Do they, have, do they have the rookie uh, the rookie stream? The rookie stream this time? Yeah, they do. Actually, I was talking to a guy that started playing yesterday. He started playing Dota yesterday, and he was like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed and blah, blah, blah. And I told him, like, uh, you know, you're kind of starting right at the right time because if you watch the newbie stream of these games, uh, you will probably miss about half of what's going on but at least they will explain to you the other half, and you, it will it will elevate you. Nice, but uh, just entertaining sports, you know, entertaining stuff to watch. Good. All right. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the A Team. We'll be back for episode two forty to find out who's got bragging rights, how well KYT did at the Pro Tour, and uh, find out about the epic karaoke parties that occur thereafter. It's exciting times for us here at the A Team. One of our own. So- uh, I think it's very important that uh, our uh, good friends, uh, all of our Canadian boys, uh, do really well out there. Uh, boys and girls, if there are boys and girls. Uh, and I think it's very important that uh, Mr. Pascal makes his uh, platinum because he's uh, done a hell of a year. He's really, uh, you know, he's really shown up. And yeah, he's worked really hard. Yeah, I There's think. No I think he's due. Be nice. He's due. Good. He's due. Well. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we will sign off. Have yourselves an excellent week, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.